Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we aim to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays. It is Text Driven Tuesday, where we discuss the sermon from Sunday and make application, and this passage is good for application. Uh, Before we get going, though, I'd like to ask you to uh, write us a review. We don't have many reviews up yet. There's two places you can do that. You can go on Facebook, and you can write us a review on there, or... Actually, I guess there's more than one. Uh, whatever your streaming platform is, you also have the ability in there. So iTunes, Podbean, you can click in and write us a review there. So we'd ask you to do that, please, if this is beneficial to you, to help us to get in front of more people. All right, Giorgio. All right. What's going on? Today's Tuesday. Well. Well, today's Monday. <coughs> it's Monday for today's us. Today's Monday, but... But as you listen, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, big day. And it's, yeah, it's election day. Election day. Yeah. Should be interesting to see what happens. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, who knows? I don't know what will happen. Um, if what, are, Trump, what are the polls saying? Uh, the, 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 polls? the polls are narrowing, but the polls were uh, so off last time. It's oh, hard, yeah, it's yeah. hard to know. Well, that's that's what I was yeah. that's what I was thinking yeah. because you you see the polls, they say it's really it's really close. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of goes back and forth, but then you see all these pictures, right? And it seems like it seems yeah. like Trump is is on course for a landslide. It's I mean it's yeah. it's but photos can be yeah, it looks like a, and and well, the Trump things aren't doctored. They look like a Rolling Stone concert. Yeah. It's like a sea of people yeah. everywhere he goes. Uh, the uh, the Biden thing, <laughs> it just gives you a picture of what you can expect if Biden wins. Right? We're gonna we're going into lockdown. Uh-huh. We're gonna live in bubbles. We're gonna <laughs> right. we're, we we the government will force us to uh, to never have human contact again. Have you seen some of these rallies? Man? Oh yeah, where they're where they have to sit in the circles. <laughs> they got like twenty people at a Biden rally. Yeah. Like uh, they're probably all his staff. And they have uh, circled on the ground <laughs> the little place you could stay in. Yeah. The other one was that they did <laughs> they did a drive up service. Do you see it where he's like, honk if you're tired of this? <laughs> no, <laughs> did I didn't you see it. No, I didn't see oh, that. Oh, man. <laughs> so, and of course, it's like hardly any people there at the drive in Biden thing. Did you see? It just looks like an old man ranting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking about and then he looks like he uh he he's actually a, a Pentecostal preacher he he's he momentarily slips into tongue speaking yeah he does that's pretty funny <laughs> I couldn't stop I couldn't stop laughing at that clip what here, what what is crazy to me is uh I was thinking of this yesterday it seems to be uh like abuse of the elderly to me honestly yeah and I don't mean that to be funny either. I'm not trying to make a joke. It seems to me what they're doing to Biden is is a it's abusive. Like they, it's not honoring. Like we should be honoring elderly people. Yeah, man. And when you get in that type of state, like if people they're just using him, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way he's going to complete a, pre, a a term as president. Not a, not a chance. Did you see? Did you see the uh, the event that Kamala Harris was at that they introduced her as the next president of the United States? Did they really? <laughs> Yeah, they did, yeah. and she didn't correct them. She couldn't pull. She couldn't pull a single delegate. What a joke their party has become, man. Yeah, they cheated old Bernie out of it last time. Right, they had to cheat so that Hillary would be the uh, nominee this time around. You got uh, Kamala. She couldn't pull a single delegate. Right. Right. And they pick her. 
And she, did you see the video she released? Uh, I posted this morning. It's about, uh, well, it's manipulative. It's a little cartoon. It's about mm-hmm. equality and equity. You can yeah. go check it out on my Facebook or Twitter. Um, she, she, so she shares this little cartoon video, you know, and at the end of the video is what's important. You need to listen because she talks about equality of outcome. Okay. If you've read any history in your entire life, George, when I say equality of outcome, what comes to your mind? What is that? What is that a, a tagline of? Equality of outcome. I mean, that's communism. Ex- that's communism. Exactly. Nobody knows that. But the way the cartoon is portrayed, it's that oh, this is this is like uh, what we need to do. We need to be helping people to have an equal equal opportunity, which we would all agree with. People should have equal opportunity. Right. Um, and and you know and and realistically, you should have equal opportunity in that you're free. Everybody mm-hmm. doesn't have equal opportunity. Right. That's just a fact of life, man. Right. Um, uh, so take, just take, take for instance, this, um, I do not deny the fact that my son has privilege because he has a mother and a father. Now, Mm -hmm. this is something the left would deny. Right. They'll deny that. They'll say, he doesn't need a daddy. Well, whatever. He's advantaged. He is starting ahead of people because of the way he's been raised by a mother and a father. So he's ahead, starting out. But even if you don't have a mother and a father, you live in America if you want it bad enough, you can actually go for it and make it. Right. You can. I mean, that's just proof all over the world of this. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ben Carson, whose mother couldn't even read, raised without a father, becomes a neurosurgeon. This is America. Yeah. What we can't do is rig equality of outcome. Right. When you try to rig equality of outcome, you, hit, you said it. George, that's communism. What they want you to think is that equality of outcome means everyone's rich, but what it actually is going to bring about is everyone's poor. That's right. We get equality. We stand in the bread line as equals, right? waiting and begging for bread. Because all animals are equal, right? So, yeah. Just some are more some equal, are more equal than, than others. others. That's right. Yeah, we'll be equal as we stand on the bullet end of a firing squad right? as they, uh, as they rip through the opposition. Yeah. Equality. And our deaths. As this is the hit, this is the story of history. Yeah, I can't even believe people flirt <laughs> flirt with this idea. It's insane. Uh, well, I mean, if you're in the elite, like Kamala Harris, then you're fine. <laughs> right? You're fine yeah. because the elite they don't they don't get poorer; they get more powerful. That's right. They do. All right, George. Well, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty bleak way to start. Uh, you know, <laughs> happy it, Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Here's the the comfort that I have. I go back to what we talked about last night in our service. Yeah, there's one king. There's one king of kings. All other governments and kings that aren't in submission to him are going to have a real bad day when he returns. Yeah, they will, including our nation. Right. It's going to get smashed. Yep. And we'll rise victoriously with Christ. So, uh, whatever happens, happens. The church will march on. I'm, I've committed myself to, and I hope you have, you have as well. If you're a listener, your identity is a Christian above all things else. Mm-hmm. You know. So, every day is a good day. And this isn't the first crisis in our world. You know, even if America fell, yeah. Well, let's just let's just project. You know, America is gone. Mm-hmm. 
the world keeps going. Yep. Right. History keeps moving. the 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 world has survived the fall of the Roman Empire. It's survived war, you know, world wars. Survived the fall of England. Uh huh. Um, you know, it's bad things happen. Yeah. Um, but God is still sovereign, and and history keeps pressing forward to the end. Yep. Right. Keeps going. So, I whatever happens in whoever's elected tonight, um, or, or we or weeks from now, right? Right. Yeah. After they're done, <laughs> whenever they're done counting. How weird is it that they don't have a law that if your ballot's not in and counted the night of, it doesn't get counted? Yeah, because you know what it does in some of these states, and this is going to be. We need to get going, but imagine, right? This is what could play out. This is why the lawyers are involved. We're going to count votes up to five days after. Okay. Uh, the election's over on Tuesday, and you're like, oh, my candidate needs uh, 20,000 more votes to win this, <laughs> right. to win the, uh, all of the uh, mm-hmm. all the electorates in this state. What do you think is going to happen, dude? Right. They're going to find 20,000 more ballots. Yeah. They're going to find them. If they got to go out knocking on doors and gathering them under the cover of darkness, they're going to get them. Yeah, they just, they just need to have a, a law, universal law. It's a federal election. Then the federal there needs to be a federal law. Yeah. Your vote's not in that night. Doesn't get counted. Right. It just seems like a no brainer. <coughs> All right, text driven Tuesday. This is one of my favorite passages yeah. that you preached. I love it. I love it. It is First Peter chapter four seven through eleven. So if you're listening, you want to grab your Bible, go to First Peter four seven through eleven. Um, George, you want to. Uh, Read it for us. You know, the, yeah. our 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 start our start of this was kind of appropriate. We're talking about like living in the last days, right? Things look they look like gloom and doom. Mm-hmm. And your sermon's all about living in the last days. How yeah, should we live in the last days? Right. So, uh, will you read for us the passage, and then let's jump in? Okay. All right. So, First Peter chapter four, beginning in verse seven. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies— in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay. So it could be a shocker for some. You're listening, and and you say, hang on a second. Uh, The last days, the end of all things is at hand. George, what is the end of all things, and what are the last days? Let's get that, you know, let's just start there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I... It, it's very clear, the end of all things, that's the end of the world, mm-hmm. right? That's Christ coming. He's already talked about um, judgment for the wicked and resurrection for the just in the last two verses, in verses five and six mm-hmm. uh, that we talked about last week. So I think that's very clear in verse seven. The end of all things is the end of all things, mm. right? Um, but it's been 2,000 years, yeah, or nearly two thousand years since he wrote this, and so people 
have to ask what what does this mean that the end of all things is at hand mm-hmm. or it has drawn near yeah. um, we we come across passages especially in the book of revelation jesus is coming soon mm-hmm. um, and we have to deal with well it's it's been a long time um what does this mean and i think we we can understand this by understanding that the new testament refers to the last days or the end times as the period between Christ's first and second coming. Yes. So with Christ coming, all the promises of God find their fulfillment in his person and work. The king is here, mm-hmm. and he's accomplishing his purpose by living uh, perfectly obedient to the law, dying a sacrificial death, and rising from the grave. Mm-hmm. And as he rises, he rises in a glorified body. He's, he is the firstborn of new creation. Um, and so he is the he's the first he's the first one in the in the new world. Yeah, um, he's the last Adam, and uh, he has ascended and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's ruling and reigning, and he will return, bringing in the new creation. Yeah. Um, so we are living in the the last days, and the last days have been um, for the last. Two thousand years. Yeah, and you're not just pulling this out of the air. There are tons. Yeah, of, the, the scriptures. There, there are tons of scriptures. Oh yeah, about I, this. I just gave a sampling. Um, Acts chapter two, Peter is is dealing with Joel, and he's he's applying the events of Pentecost to Joel's prophecy, which says in the last days. So here we are. We're in the last days. Yeah. Peter says, um, Hebrews one one and two. In these last days, God's spoken to us through His Son. Um, Paul writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he he talks about how the things that happened to Israel happened as an example for us, and they were written down for the church upon whom the end of the ages has come. Mm-hmm. And then I think the the one that really seals the deal for me is is John writing in 1 John chapter 2. He says, this is the last hour. Mm. That's That's been 2,000 years ago. How, yeah. can, how can John write about this? Well, it's because um, all of the... All of the promises have been fulfilled in Christ, and um, there's only one left. There's only one. There's only one thing left. It's Christ coming back. Yeah. Um, and so we're not going to be a rough day on that day for some people. There's not. We're not looking for you know a bunch of things to happen. We're we're waiting on Christ to come, mm-hmm. and so the apostles feel very comfortable referring to the time in which we're living as the last days. Yeah. So. You know, this the sermon's really just all about how to live in the last days. Did you give it a title? The end is near. The end is near. Yeah. The end is nigh. The end of all what things I, is near. The end is nigh. Yeah. Hold hold up. Go up and hold I, up. I a, almost hold up a board on the side uh, sidewalk. Right. The end is nigh. I almost called it the the end is here. The end is here because we are we're living in the last days. Yeah. So your sermon, you walked through the text, did a good job. And you you gave four things we ought to be um, focused on until Christ comes. So four things that we are to be focused on until Christ comes. Or you could say, how do you live in the last days? Right. Yeah. How, how are you supposed to live? That's that's what the whole passage. I mean, you don't you don't have to have a seminary degree to understand what this passage is talking about. No, you don't. It's 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 just laid out there. Um, there's there's no there's no difficult interpretation um, issues. It, it's it's simply all follows from the therefore. 
Yeah. The end of all things is at hand, therefore, and everything else follows from that. And so there's four there's four um, instructions mm-hmm. for us to to know how to live in light of the fact that the end of all things is at hand. Yeah. So these are things we are to live we are to be found doing now. Like we should implement yeah. these now. If America collapses, mm-hmm. though, that ought to be the things we focus on. Yeah. They're church related. And so the first is to be clear headed. That's what you said. So the mm-hmm. first thing to be focused on is to be clear headed. And you took this from verse seven to be uh, self controlled and sober minded for the sake of your prayers. Yeah. Now, people may read that and think that means not to drink alcohol. <laughs> right. That's probably how some people might interpret that. Right. But that's not really not what he's getting at, right? No. Um, he's he's drawing he's drawing from that um, of, of getting drunk, mm-hmm. but his his focus is not on getting drunk with alcohol. It's it's being drunk in your mind, right? Um, which is is just as deadly right. for your prayer life, right? So it's it's for this purpose. It's so you'll be praying, and um, so we're supposed to be a prayerful people mm-hmm. in these last days. And I, I really wanted to emphasize this. This was my longest point because I, I think that uh, when we hear the in, uh, talking about end times mm-hmm. or eschatology, the first thing I think a lot of Americans leap at is um, what's happening with Israel or drawing up you know complex charts. Hey, um, I saw a video of a guy who's a shofar blower. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do we even want to get into that? He says God has speaks to him directly and he goes to blow his shofar uh-huh. at pivotal places around the globe. Okay. He fulfills prophecy, all the kinds of craziness. You watch you watch people like um well Jack Van Impey is di- is dead now, but I'm sure his show is still rebroadcast. Mm. <laughs> Jack Van Impey and and Rexella. Do you ever watch? Nah, Jack- I never. Knew. Oh. You missed out, Jay. You really. <laughs> that was uh, that was what I would come home and unwind to on Wednesday nights after church because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and Rexella had the most wild eyes. Mm. They were they were interesting people. Um, but you you watch him. You watch um, people like uh, John Hagee. Um, you know all these all these you know end times prophecy experts and that's what they focus on Mm -hmm. right uh microchips and computers and what's russia doing and china and and all of this uh all these conspiracies about what israel is doing to take over the temple mount and rebuild the temple and then that's what i think that's what people think about Mm -hmm. go go to you know the eschatology section in a christian bookstore and you're going to find just a bunch of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. But what Peter is focusing on is really practical, down-to-earth, just normal stuff. Right. Like, there's nothing in these, pass- these verses here that is just mind-blowing. If it's mind-blowing, it's in just how ordinary it is. Yeah. And so he tells us that we're supposed to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of our prayers. Mm-hmm. And I know that one of the things that is not emphasized very much when it comes to end-time stuff is pray. Right. Pray. Don't fret. Don't try to figure out, you know, uh, your your timetable, looking at the newspaper and trying to figure out when all this stuff is going to happen. Pray. We're supposed yeah. to be a prayerful people. Yeah, that's right. And if you're ready... You don't need to worry about it, right? Anywhere, like it's not my business. Jesus wants to come back today. He comes. It's like uh, it's like um, in the Avengers when 
Bruce Banner. He's walking toward the giant space worm. <laughs> and they're like, it's time to get angry. He said, that's my secret. I'm always angry. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the Christians. Christians yeah. should be like, why are you so chill? What, the, end, the end could come any minute. And you could be like, that's my secret. I'm always ready. Yeah. I'm always in the end times. That's right. <laughs> right. I'm always ready. I'm ready. But ready if, right you're, now. if you're going to be a prayerful person, then you have to be clear-headed. Uh-huh. You have to be self-controlled. You have to be sober-minded. You have to not be um, buying into all the things that the world yeah. would have you to, to follow. Yeah. Um, the debauchery that, that was talked about in verses 1 through 6, we can't, we can't be indulging in that. Yeah. If, if you're indulging in this party lifestyle, you're not going to be ready to pray. Right. I, li- I liked one bit of application. I thought it was most appropriate. Um, how do we get drunk in the mind that it prohibits our prayers today? You said that you thought that there was, I thought you were right on this when you said, that, I think here's the number one way. I thought it was very good. Yeah, I, I think that the number one way that Christians are, are I guess you could call it drunk-minded yeah. instead of being sober-minded, is social media. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And and I'm standing at the pulpit saying this, and I know I'm preaching to myself. Yeah. Like, I know I spend more time on social media than, than I should. Were you checking your feed while you preached? I was. I was up there. Oh, <laughs> how many likes am I getting? <laughs> Spurgeon, Spurgeon said he could have four thoughts at once while he preached. So you're up there preaching and searching social media? No, that's <laughs> not me. That that would not be me. Okay. Um, no, but uh, you know, I, I think to myself, what's the first thing I do in the morning? Open, I ro- open I your ro- eyelids. <laughs> okay, <laughs> logically, yes. <laughs> Roll over and check what what's on my phone. Yeah, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or email or text messages, mm. like that's that's usually the first thing that I do in the morning mm. is what's happened while I'm asleep. Yeah, and um, it's convicting to think about that because I need to spend more time in prayer. Yeah. And my first thing that I should do when I wake up is to pray. That should be what I do. Mm. Thanking God for a new day, asking him to help me to live a righteous life, obedient life, um, opportunities to share the gospel, just to be clear-headed yeah. in my work. Mm-hmm. And um, too, yeah, too, often, a, too often I'm not. There's a numbing effect that mm-hmm. social media can have. That's why people, you can look at it, and next thing you know, you've, spent, you've wasted 30 minutes of your life yeah. doing absolutely nothing. But uh, you scrolling know, through Facebook can, and then checking Twitter. Can you even imagine what your life would have been in college if YouTube had been around? No. I don't think I would have passed any of my classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's yeah there's just so much that distracts us and calls for our attention and you click on one thing and all of a sudden you click on another and another and another and you just you just go down the rabbit hole Mm -hmm. and like you said before you know it it's been hours yeah what have i done yeah i could have been i could have been praying yeah i could have been reading my bible um I could have been spending time with my family, uh, right? Discipling my children. Yeah. Instead, I'm scrolling through to see what other people are doing. Right. What did they have for dinner? Yeah. It's foolish. We we need to we need to really think about this verse. Be self-controlled and be sober-minded for the sake of our prayers. Yeah. And um I I this 
kind of drew out this this idea we we'd all agree that a drunk person was going to have would have a really hard time praying right right um if you're if your thoughts are just all in a whirl if you're dizzy or or um just sluggish um you're not going to be able to pray mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to think straight mm-hmm. um but it's the same idea just for our minds yeah and you can get drunk on more things than just alcohol yeah, that's true. You, you can get drunk on social media, TV, uh, the pol- political stuff that's going on. Um, I've seen I've seen more stuff from Christians just trying to argue for Trump, um, trying to win people over. Um, guys that I respect acting as if this is the end of the world as we the know end it. Of the world, yeah. um, and on the other side, you got uh, Christians that are never Trumpers. Yeah about how he's pretty much the antichrist right and i i think that i mean we talked about politics we we opened the the show talking about politics i I don't think there's anything wrong with that but um if you're so focused on politics if you are um close to hysterics just like the unbelieving world um because you think something is going to happen Mm -hmm. um I think that's another another way in which we are not self-controlled or sober-minded. Bingo. You got it. All right, my man. That's uh, be clear-headed. Yeah. Second thing that we need to focus on living in these end times is to love earnestly. Did I get it? Love earnestly. Love earnestly. Yeah. So tell us about that, George, quickly from the text. Um, well, he's already talked about loving um, in chapter 1, verse 22. He, he told us to devote ourselves to brotherly love. Mm. Um, and now he talks about it again. And uh, we have to stop and ask, why is he bringing up love a second time? Why is he talking about this? And I, I think it's because, uh, one, because love is so central to the Christian life. Um, and I think this is one of those areas where we hear it so often we're yeah. supposed to love one another. Right. That we just kind of, oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> you know, we just, we treat it casually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Peter's bringing it up again yeah, two, I, two chapters later yeah. so that we'll remember this is central. This this isn't some periphery thing. This is central to being a Christian is to love. Yeah, and what, what we need to keep in mind is, yeah, we are to love all people, but the love of the brotherhood, yeah. that means Christians, mm-hmm. the love of Christians far surpasses... The right. love we would have for everyone in general. Yeah. And as Jesus told his disciples repeatedly as he was with them, the last evening he had with them, that it was this was central. Like you're saying, this is central to what it means to be a disciple, is that your love for each other, fellow disciples, is so otherworldly mm. that the world cannot deny that Jesus is real and that you really are his follower. Right. Has an apologetic effect. Yeah. Um, and there's also an eschatological element to this because Jesus, in the Olivet Discourse, he he warns the disciples that um, because of these things, the love of many will grow cold. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a numbing effect to um, the events of these last days of the hostility and the oh and you can, just the da- just the dangers of of living in the last days, yeah. and we can get so caught up in what's happening that we forget we're supposed to be loving one another yeah right? that's what we're supposed to be doing mm. um, that that word earnestly it could be translated as as um, ongoing keep keep loving one another in this way uh, 
because if we if we don't if we don't consciously focus on this, our love can grow cold, and we can be so um, uh, focused on living our own life, trying to get through another day, that we forget that that's yeah. that's not what a Christian's supposed to do. Yeah, our our problem is we we love ourselves. We don't we don't love other people like we should. So let's get a little practical then. Um, because he gets a little bit practical in the text, right? He does. So yeah. how how do we do this in in the church? This is we're to love one another. How do we how do we do that? And what does that do? Well, he gives this reason. He says, "For since love covers a multitude of sins," uh-huh. so he gives us this this reason why we are supposed to keep on loving earnestly. It's it's because love covers a multitude of sins, um, and that can be misinterpreted in in several different ways. It this is not a salvation um, statement, right? as if we're saved by loving. Um, this covering a multitude of sins, it's not, it's not covering it in the sight of God. Um, that, can only be, that can only be accomplished through the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he is doing is he is um, alluding to Proverbs chapter 10. And so what we did um, on Sunday is we, we went over to Proverbs and we read several verses that I think, just kind of build on each other Uh to talk about this. So Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Mm. So that's what Peter is. is, It's not a direct quote, but he's alluding to it clear enough that you know that that's what he's talking about. So there is this, um, there's there's two um, uh, kind of approaches that you can take based on this verse. Hatred stirs up strife. So um, there are people that are always looking for a fight. Yeah. And they're always looking for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but Christians aren't supposed to be like that. Yeah. Love covers all offenses. Mm. So instead of Christians looking for a fight or trying to, to start something, yeah. um, Christians are supposed to be those that we love each other in such a deep way that we refuse to be offended by these little, these little things. Yeah, I mean, we we both had people say things that it's just kind of off the cuff. Yeah, they say stupid things. We we've said stupid things. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we we all say things that maybe we shouldn't have said that, uh-huh. or maybe we should have said it in a different way, or you know, we 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 talk before we think. Um, and it's easy to get your feelings hurt. Yeah, or um, to think the worst of someone. Uh-huh. And that's that's not what that's not what we're supposed to do. Right. We're supposed to love one another and cover over those offenses. Right. Yeah. Um, not seeking to get even. Not um, you know carrying you know some kind of grudge on our shoulder. We're supposed to be those that cover over these these offenses because we love one another. And I think that this is something that we're, we, we desperately need. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, the, I mean, we've desperately needed this for, you know, the existence of the church, but it can go a long um, way in, in our go culture a long ways in your marriage too. Yeah. 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 I can. Um, but it, in our churches, as the culture is becoming more and more hostile to us, we can't go around holding these grudges. Yeah, that's right. We have to be loving one another because yeah. we're gonna have to get along. Yeah, <laughs> right. We're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to band together, uh-huh. and these these you know even petty differences that we have, we're just gonna have to cover over those with love, uh-huh. because 
Um, I mean, it, we've talked about it before, you know, churches arguing and splitting over the color of the carpet. Um, when the government is coming at you to throw you in jail because you're saying that homosexuality is a sin, uh, we don't have time to argue over the color of the carpet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. We don't have time to argue over whether we should have a meet and greet time, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, I I don't like these songs. Right. Like we're we're gonna have to cover over these minor offenses mm-hmm. um, because we love one another. Yeah. Good. So be clear headed, love earnestly, and third, show hospitality. What does that mean? Well, we gotta we gotta um, talk about it in its original context, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, hospitality is a big deal. Does in, it mean in like the Middle East? Does it mean like having a bunch of people from church over? Well, we'll get there. Right? Like, like I mean, like today, like having a barbecue. Um, does that capture it? Uh, n- maybe like two percent. Maybe. I mean, there's <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit to it, right. but not not quite. Yeah, right. That's right. Um, so, hospitality in the in the I mean, even now, yeah. Um, in in the Middle East, it's huge, uh-huh. right? Um, if someone comes to your home, you welcome them in, and you care for all their needs. You feed them, make sure that they're safe. You're you're taking their welfare on yourself. Uh-huh. Um, you can see this throughout the Old Testament. I was just reading about Abraham um, this morning uh, about when when God and the two angels come come to his tent. Um, and the hospitality that he shows, like mm. he jumps up. It says he he runs to get Sarah to make some bread. He runs to make uh to have a calf prepared for a meal, um, because hospitality that's a that's a huge thing. Um, but even um more specifically for the the church in the first century, hospitality was necessary for mission work. Um, so traveling evangelist, they they didn't have a, a hotel reservation waiting for them. Right. Like someone in the church had to open their home mm-hmm. for them to stay there. Yeah. Uh, I didn't read it in First John or Third uh, John, but um, I thought that it would be helpful to uh, to hear what John writes in Third John. Um, he says that. Um, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Mm. So John is is writing um, to Gaius, and he's commending him for his hospitality. Yeah. Uh, when these traveling evangelists come, he takes care of them mm-hmm. and he sends them on their on their way well supplied. Yeah. Um so that the ministry of of the gospel can continue to advance and we can see this in Paul's letters as he talks to to people about prepare a place for me. I'm yeah. I'm going to come and visit you. Um but not only that, the churches met in people's homes. Mhm. Uh, they didn't have church buildings. Right. They had to meet somewhere. Um, so there were there were churches in people's houses, so that those people had to show hospitality to the church. Yeah, like when, in, in, Phil, in Philippi, it appears that yeah. they met in Lydia's house, mm-hmm. who was apparently a wealthy woman. Yeah, she was uh, somewhat of an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and 
they met in her home, but yeah. maybe she had a large gathering space. Uh, Paul, at the end of Romans, he um, he greets the church in Priscilla and Aquila's home, uh-huh. right? Um, so there's, uh, it seems in uh, Philemon that uh, there's a ho- there's a, a church meeting in their home. So that they had to have hospitality, right? right. Every Sunday, there's going to be a group of people coming over to your house, right? And that's not just meeting space; that's providing for them, mm-hmm. right? Meals, meals. Yeah, um, it's going to take time. You're going to clean up, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You, you, you're welcoming them in, and so Peter tells them show hospitality without grumbling, because mm. nothing's going to kill hospitality. Faster yeah. than the host yeah. rolling their eyes mm-hmm. and muttering under their breath. <laughs> you know, if you know you're not wanted, uh-huh. it's not going to be a very welcoming envi- <laughs> environment. That's yeah. going that's going to be really tough to uh, prolong your stay in that city if you're a traveling evangelist yeah. and the the person <laughs> obviously doesn't want you there. So um, do this joyfully mm. without grumbling. And um, yeah, I I. Wanted to, I mean, you got to bridge some of the gap because um, hospitality, there, there's still some of that. Um, you know, if if a missionary came over from another country to visit us, we probably welcome them into our home. Yeah, probably wouldn't just put them up in a hotel, but mm-hmm. come and stay with us. Right, and we'd show hospitality. That still happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, on the ever, you know, day to day basis. That's probably not going to be our experience. Yeah. So what what exactly does this look like? And I said in 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 general, this should be um, us focusing on missions and evangelism, mm-hmm. um, because that's that's what the hospitality was doing in the first century. It wasn't just having friends over; it was actually promoting the work of the gospel, mm-hmm. wanting the the gospel to continue going out. So in general, we we should be doing that. Um, whether someone's staying in our home or not, we ought to make sure that the gospel is first priority, evangelism. We need to be doing the work of evangelism. We need to be um, actively supporting mission work. Um, so in general, that's that's one way in which we can see this carrying over. But, you know, there's, there's other ways in which we show hospitality in, in very practical ways. Um, for our church, we have community groups, uh-huh. right? Um, and we meet in people's homes. Hospitality is being extended so that we can do the work of discipleship in our church in a small group setting. And so we're thankful for the people who open their homes and show hospitality in our own church uh-huh. because they're providing not just space, but often food and, and they've got to clean up after, you know, everyone leaves. And, and so that's, that's one way in which hospitality has continued to be shown. So it's not just a, it's not just a barbecue, right? It's, it is hospitality with a focus on the work of ministry, um, whether that's mission work or evangelism or, um, discipleship, those are the emphasis of, of hospitality. Yeah, very good. Okay. Um, so four things that we're to be focused on at the end of all things, end of all things that are at hand, be clear-headed, love earnestly, show hospitality, and lastly, use your gifts to serve one another. Yeah. 
Um, everyone has a gift, right? Everyone in the church, if they're a Christian, has a spiritual gift. Yeah, absolutely. Even if they don't think they do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, you know why we don't emphasize this very much. I, I mentioned in the sermon, maybe it's because we are a little shy about being too charismatic, you know, yeah. because when people talk about spiritual gifts, all of a sudden we're, you know, speaking in tongues and prophesying. Right. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't emphasize it too much. Mm. Um, but yeah, every, every Christian has a spiritual gift that's found in Romans 12. It's found in first Corinthians 12 and 14. It's found here in this passage, um, that we are all supposed to use our gifts. Yeah. Do you, do you see here in this passage that there's kind of two main categories of gifts? It seems that way. Yeah. It seems that Peter is dividing these gifts um, in uh, in verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So there's speaking gifts and there's service gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking gifts would be pastor, Sunday school teachers, um, evangelist. Um, I'd probably even lump the the musicians uh, in there because they're teaching through the music. They're teaching through the words that we sing. Um, those aren't less important than you know the preacher. Um, so the, there's speaking gifts, uh, but then there's service gifts. So there's deacons. There's the people that work in the nursery. The people that work in the sound booth. People that provide um, food. There were people that went and cut tree limbs after the church service. Um, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these are, are service gifts. So he, he kind of neatly divides it into two yeah. categories without going into some exhaustive list. Yeah, I mean, ho- and hospitality, though we're all called to it, mm-hmm. some people have a gift oh, yeah, of being absolutely. very good at hospitality. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or giving. Yeah. You know, um, we're all called to give to support the, the ministry of the church, but there are some people who have a gift of giving uh-huh. they they are they just show an overabundance uh-huh. of giving um, and one thing that should be pointed out is that um, Peter doesn't make some kind of um, um, statement saying that one of these areas is more important than the other and he doesn't say those who are speaking are more important than those who serve <clears throat> right um, you mentioned this Sunday um, in your prayer, that um, there wouldn't be a teaching ministry without the service ministry, uh-huh. right? They go hand in hand. You you can't you can't say, well, this isn't important. Right. If God has given a gift to someone, that gift is important. Yes. In whatever in whatever aspect it's being used, um, they're they're important, and so every every member of the church ought to discover what God has gifted them to do and then do it. And by discovering what your gift is, I don't mean sitting down and taking a spiritual gift inventory right. survey. Yeah, that yeah. That's usually what um, people think. Yeah, that's some of those surveys too are like linked to the Enneagram. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh, yeah, I do. So I ordered a book on that. My, okay. uh, my Greek uh, professor... He is like uh, his gift is finding the original source of ancient things. Okay, 
and he's done a lot of work into this. He didn't write this book; one of his friends did. But I'm, I've ordered it. Maybe we, we probably ought to talk about it on a free for all Friday, Friday mm-hmm. because really, what it is is it's paganism creeping into the church. Yeah. I, did I even say it right, Enneagram? I don't even know. You heard of that thing? I have. Yeah. It's 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 a new thing coming. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of Christians are falling into it. Yeah. Uh, but you know these these uh, spiritual gift inventories they're often like personality quizzes yeah like, that's why i say it's related like to what, this like what do you like thing what do you like to do yeah. you know do you like talking to people yeah well i mean your personality trait ab you know, uh, whatever. i mean i i can i i can just my own personality can debunk that uh-huh. because i'm not a guy that goes around really outgoing i i don't uh, i have a really hard time opening up to to people and yet god has gifted me to teach uh-huh. um so god has given me a gift that it doesn't quite line up with my personality. Yeah. Like those, those aren't, those aren't, uh, th- those don't necessarily go together. Well, when the king calls you to do something, you don't really get to argue. You do it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, you do it. Yeah. Um, so what I mean by trying to discover your spiritual gift is um, uh, just start serving. Mm. Start serving in the church. Yeah. Uh, see where God opens up opportunities for you to serve. Um, because if you're called to, you know, if you think that you have the gift of teaching, but there's no opportunities to teach, maybe that's not where God is gifting you. Um, even though that may be something that you like to do, maybe it's not something that God's called you to do in this particular church. So you, you look for areas in which God and his providence opens up things. the, The things you like to do may not be open for service, right? but that doesn't mean the church doesn't need them. So you may have to do for a season things that you don't particularly like to do. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's not important. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, but the the main emphasis here is use your gifts to serve one another. Good. Like it's, it, good it's not it's not um it's not for us to feel good about ourselves. Right. Um I, I you know I had to we, we've talked about this before we started. I didn't feel really good about this sermon. Um but the problem there is me. Uh-huh. It's me wanting to feel good. That's that's not the point of me preaching. It's not for me to go home and feel good about myself. Oh, job well done. Pat myself on the back. You know. Yeah. Um, po- it's to it's to serve. The point of the preacher is to serve the uh, the people. That it's God to is, serve, and uh, um, hopefully this sermon was did that. Hopefully it was helpful, yeah. and hopefully it served um, so that yeah the rest of the members can serve. Yeah, that's that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, keep your service gift focused not on you but on other people. Yeah. It's one of the troubling things that I've, I see a lot online. Is it seems like a lot of a lot of guys are uh, pastors are very self serving and yeah. self promoting, right? And it's uh, it can be easy because we're in the front, right? Yeah, like I mean, we're, we're is, the we're the most visible in this, the church. This is what Darren Patrick got disciplined for from his church that yeah. he was so, he was self promoter. Mm-hmm. He was promoting himself on social media. He was yeah. nonstop. He was trying to. You know, make connections and promote his ministry and become right. more popular. And it's easy trap for people to fall into. But not only pastors; I mean, people can serve in the church for the attention that right. it gets them in front of other people. Right. Um, you don't find that a lot with those that like clean the bathrooms at the church. That's right. It seems like they're just serving to serve people. Yeah. So we ought to have that type or of the, mentality. You know, or, the, or the nursery. The nursery workers. How, how massive is the nursery ministry? How massive is is cleaning the bathrooms? I mean, that's that's huge. Yeah. Um, you got to have a clean church when you come. Yeah, it's, like nobody wants to be like these things have to get done. Yeah, the, uh, 
there's no glory in it. Not at least this side. There will be glory one oh, day yeah. for it. We'll be rewarded. Right. Um, but so it's it, it's just like you know Paul uses the the illustration of a body uh-huh. in First Corinthians, and you can't say to one part of your body, "That's eh, not important." No, you can't. Um, there, every part of your body is important. There's there's no part of your body that you would just chop off and yeah. say, ah, "I can do without." This. I think of, I think about it like this, like. Um, uh, Drake got injured the, uh, earlier in the football season. Like he's got like massive quads, right? They're huge. He he can squat like four hundred pounds. It's <laughs> ridiculous. So he has this one little tweak, right? Yeah. There's a small ligament in the middle of your knee, your ACL, and it was injured. He didn't tear it. Thank goodness. It had been a year long injury. Yeah. But just with a minor injury to this tiny little body part. He could not support his own body weight. Yeah, he'd fall over, and that's like how it is in the church. You got these little parts of the church, people serving in different capacities, and they can think that they're not important. Yeah, and that's why I made the comment that you cannot have a preaching ministry yeah. without all of these small little ministries. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true, and you know I, I think a lot of problems in the church come from us not obeying these verses. Mm. Um. Imagine if everyone in the church was exercising their gifts to serve one another. Yeah. Everyone. Not it, I think the problem is in a lot of churches, thankfully not in ours. Yeah. But in a lot of churches the pastor is the guy. Right. And he's supposed to be the one who preaches and teaches and organ you know he's and does supposed everything, he's supposed yeah. to be the business, you know, the administrator. Yeah. He's supposed to be the evangelist. And I've been in churches where the pastor is expected to refill the toilet roll. Yeah, yeah. Pa- tell tell us that. I got, I got a story. You tell us that but story. It was at a previous church. Um, it was a Sunday morning. The preacher was, you know, he was getting ready for the service, and he was walking towards the auditorium, and one of the deacons, one of the deacons said there's no toilet paper in the in the bathroom. <laughs> Go change it, George. You're about to... You're about <laughs> that's, to right. that's right. You don't have other things to do on Sunday you know, morning. Um, I, so I think that a lot of problems in churches is people not exercising their gifts. Right. And not exercising their gifts to serve one another. Here's one of my favorite, okay? I get in the zone on a Sunday morning, as I'm sure you do, when I'm when I'm about to preach. Yeah. It's like I have a pregame routine, like back when I was a pitcher in college. Uh-huh. And it just occupies my every thought. Like, it's probably not even safe for me to drive to church. <laughs> I'm in the zone. Like, I'm getting in the zone. Like, yeah. I, I, like I'm starting to get mentally prepared, ready to go. Yeah. Um, so I'm coming into church, this, uh, this one previous uh, church member, no longer with us, says to me, <laughs> I already know where this is going. <laughs> hey, we got my goose poop over yeah. here on the sidewalks. <laughs> I said, yep, sure enough, there is some goose poop. Yep. She said, why can't people clean it up? I said, well, I'm, I'm sure that they can. I mean, they're like, they're like you clean it up and they're going to poop again in like six hours. Yeah. So it's going to be a nonsense. Yeah, we, we've got a, we've yeah. got a path that, that the geese like to take. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm sure if you grab somebody, you know, they could get that cleaned up. I'm headed in the door, getting uh-huh, ready, right. you know, <laughs> all right, to um, open the Bible and preach. It's like, well, why can't you get something and clean it up right now? <laughs> uh, um, you know, it's and not that I'm above <laughs> goose poop right. up. It's yeah, not, I'm not above that. Yeah, uh, but I'm getting ready to serve the church with my gifts, right. which are preaching. Yeah, it's <laughs> so you know, I was I was just dumbfounded. It's um. You're you're right. We we get into a mindset. We're we're getting ready to. We're still thinking about this stuff. We're still thinking through the passage. If there's anything that 
we could add to it if there's something that you know needs to be tweaked and it's hard enough getting ready you know you've got a small child i've got small children trying to stay focused on that and try to get get them ready and the last thing we need is to come in and and someone tells us to clean up the goose poop right (laughs) (laughs) but it just it just tells me that you know in that particular person and it happens in a lot of people yeah there's been a there's there's come a breakdown in in the in the in the view of well i'd say number one in the Seeing that there are people who have gifts of teaching, mm-hmm. and there are people who have gifts of service, right? And that's how God's designed this. Yeah, the preacher doesn't do everything in the church, and they're they're all important. Yeah, and you know that's that's why he 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 says whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not about us. It's not about our creativity. It's not as Kanye said, putting that sauce. Yeah, don't put any the, sauce on my sermon. On the sermon, it's speaking. The words of God speaking in alignment with what God has revealed, and the one who serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Yeah, it's it comes from God, and then he he ends this section that closes out this big section from chapter two, verse eleven through verse eleven of chapter four. He ends with a doxology mm-hmm. that we're supposed to do this speaking or serving using our gifts to serve one another by the power of God, so that God and God alone gets the glory. Yeah. And right. um, if if we would obey these commands in the in the last days, uh, being clear headed, uh, loving one another, showing hospitality, using our gifts to serve one another, if we do these things, then it may not get us you know accolades in this world. Um, you know, the news station isn't going to roll out to right. to watch the person cleaning up the goose poop in the uh, you know in the in the parking lot or or serving in the the nursery or or replacing the toilet paper in the in the bathroom that's that's not going to get you all this praise but it's not about you getting praise it's about God getting praise that's right and God is glorified when you serve others with your spiritual gifts yes, and if very you're good. if you are um cleaning the bathroom so that the church right. can have a a clean facility on Sunday morning if you are uh, serving the coffee, or you're greeting people at the door, or what you know, whatever, um, you can do that joyfully, knowing that God is getting glory. That's right. That's right. Very good. Good sermon. Thank you, George. Well, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be clear-headed, love earnestly, show hospitality, and use your gifts to serve one another. Good exposition. Thanks for listening today. If this has been a blessing to you, please like subscribe, share, and dare I say, write a review. That would be helpful. Please go ahead and write us a review. It's our hope that everything that we say and do would make Christ um, seem great. We want him to seem great to you, and it's our hope and our desire is that as you look to Christ, you'll become more and more conformed to Christ. 